if you're waiting for clarity, it just never happens. Just kind of seeing what the need is and starting the motion, then the path becomes more clear and, and your yeses and your noes become more clear. So I would say don't hesitate. There's no that profound epiphany moment. You just kind of have to just get going, be in motion and clarity comes in motion. Here we go, folks. We have another episode of Academics Mean Business with your host, Dr. Lindsay Padilla. Today, I have Dr. Miranda Walachowski. The conversation with Miranda was super fun. She basically revealed to me a new path that higher education is taking, and it is related to teaching. And so she actually does what is called instructional coaching. Uh, like it's basically like a mentorship that's built into some of the K through 12 schools, um, around the country. And I was kind of flabbergasted that that even existed. And so her research is in basically the intersection of coaching, uh, as a method, uh, that is actually currently being used at schools across the country. So as a result, what I thought was super interesting about the conversation was this idea of how it's becoming more respected, the use of coaching practices, actually why it's important to have coaching as it relates to any sort of schooling system. So she actually does work currently with principals and she's able to connect them and hold space for them and also have them work out their problems through a coaching setup. So her research in coaching is really leading edge, cutting edge, however you want to say that. And just having this conversation, being able to recognize that there was someone out there doing this intersection the other way. So versus, you know, entrepreneurship in, in academia. She's doing coaching, which is a common path for entrepreneurship, specifically online entrepreneurship. She's doing it in higher ed. So I really hope you enjoy this conversation. I learned a lot actually about coaching and the power of coaching and how it's actually being used in higher education. So enjoy this one. All right, everybody. I have Dr. Miranda Walachowski on with us today, and I'm really excited to get to know her. I was reading her bio that she sent us, and I'm like, ooh, I think this is going to be a fun conversation. So Miranda, thank you for hanging out with me on a Friday afternoon. Yes, absolutely. I'm thrilled to be here. Yay. I'm excited to chat with you. Um, so I would love you to set the stage about you know, kind of your academic background, you're currently in a position, um, anything that led you to that position, the things you research, the stuff that just, you know, the passion behind your, your education background, if you could share that with us. Sure. Um, so I think it might have been through serendipity or just uh, life the way it just kind of seems to come together sometimes. Um, but my intent was never uh, to go into education. And wow. um, I actually wanted to go to law school. Mm. And uh, my undergraduate degree is in maritime administration. So I wanted to do maybe admiralty and maritime law. Oh, cool. And then uh, upon graduating from college, I learned that I was pregnant. And so ah. then I thought, well, you know, can I do law school with a new baby? Can I do even a career in maritime administration with the new baby? Um, it would require me to move from where I was uh, to be closer to the areas where I could work in that industry. 
And um, the industry is a tough industry, so not one that fully embraces maybe as much as education would, mm-hmm. um, maternal needs and balancing family and things like that. Sure. And so I was uh, struggling with that, and I met someone who said to me, wow, well, you've got an undergraduate degree and you are bilingual, you speak Spanish, they're always looking for teachers and it would be a great you know, opportunity for you to serve and also to be able to decide what you want to do next, you know, while your baby is born and grows up and things like that. And so I wasn't very thrilled about the idea, um, <laughs> but, you know, because I just never imagined. And I always say, you know, I went uh, from rusty ships to children uh-huh. and um, I wasn't the type of person who played with my toys and taught them things. And I didn't even want to have children mm-hmm. um, myself. And I just never saw that in my future or even marrying. Um, and so the irony is that I'm quite married and I have five children now. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> so, and uh, that's how life uh, always has better plans for us. For sure. And so then I went into education and I got an alternative certification. And I thought, well, this seems like a good temporary thing to do. And then I can return to law school once my son gets older. And um, in the meantime, you know, I'm contributing and I'm learning um, because at the same time, through the alternative certification, I was going to be learning a lot about child development and how children learn. And so I thought this is perfect. It's going to help me even be a better parent. So then I went along that route and I got a position as a teacher and we had the opportunity to join a master's program that was being offered through Texas A&M University. And it was part of a grant. So it was being paid for. And I love learning so that, you know, yes, being in the classroom, I'm there. And I thought, well, when I go back to law school, a master's won't hurt. And so while I'm doing this, I might as well get a master's. And I did the master's. And as I was going through the master's, a couple of my professors said, you definitely are PhD material. It would be great for you to consider. You know, we would support you as much as we can for you Mm -hmm. to do a doctorate um, with us. And at that time, I had to reassess um, And it was difficult uh, to let go of a dream that I had always had. Mm. And so there was a lot of searching and prayer uh, about that and and really thinking, what is it that drew me to to law and what did I think that would give me and can have some of those elements Ah. uh, through the doctorate? And I realized that the advocacy part was important. The speaking part was important. The writing part appealed to me Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and the learning part. um, And I thought, well, a lot of those elements will be present um, in this career. You know, can I let go and, and pursue this? And And I did through a lot of uh, soul searching and all of that arrived at the conclusion that the doctorate was the next best step for me. Got it. Very cool. And so you did the doctorate work. And um, when did you decide, okay, yeah, I'm actually going to teach as well and continue that. So it sounds like you kind of made that decision. But um, where, yeah, where'd you end up? Like, what was the path after you graduated and had the degree? Well, actually, it's unusual for your university to hire uh, you as a student. Um, And so because we are such a small program in a high needs um, area, I was able to stay on. So when I became a student, I was immediately a graduate teaching assistant and Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, so immediately started teaching and then ended up even before I finished my doctorate working as an assistant lecturer for them. And then as soon as I finished my um, doctorate, then I had the full clinical position. 
um, which I had actually interviewed before I had finished my doctorate. I was all ABD and Mm -hmm. uh, went through that process. And so I already had the position that was there and I was functioning in that role, um, just waiting for me to finish the, the dissertation process. And, um, and so that, that's how that happened. Nice. Well, that is, yeah, that's a very rare case, but but right. must have been awesome for you. Yes, especially because yeah. my family really loved the mm-hmm. area. Mm-hmm. And um, when we moved here, my husband had, you know, let go of a job and he, you know, didn't have a job when we arrived here um, that summer. And I just had a graduate assistantship and we only had one son at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, no connections, you know, no other income coming in. So it was quite sure. a, a leap for us. And so it was just mm-hmm. beautiful to see it all work out. Yeah, well, that's awesome. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, tell us a little bit about where entrepreneurship comes in. I know in kind of the bio that you sent us and learning a little bit more about you through that, you know, you are about this, you know, blending both worlds and not potentially thinking about leaving academia necessarily, or maybe you are. Um, but where, where'd the business come in? When did coaching start happening for you? Well, I, I think again, it was just a series of events, um, mm. that occurred. I remember the first time, I think this was even placed on my radar. I was a graduate student and one of the professors in my committee, was offered an opportunity to go give a workshop, a presentation, and she couldn't go. And Mm. so she asked me, you know, would you like to do this? And I'll connect you um, with the school district. And this is how much they pay. And I thought, oh, my gosh, that's fantastic. Um, You know, (laughs) I will (laughs) go. I will travel and and do this. Um, And uh, that was my first opportunity in terms of providing services that were like outside the realm of Mm -hmm. what I was doing. And totally love that. I mean, I love um, working. I love teaching, facilitating, and just absolutely came back enamored with that experience and thought, well, I want to do this again. How can I replicate? Um, During that time, I did get a few more opportunities to provide professional development, either to teachers or sometimes even parents. And one of the things I discovered is that I would come in, you know, with my ideas of this, these are best practices. This is what research says is how you leverage what's going on in the brain to enhance learning. And um, then the conversations would somehow at the end, as I was talking one on one with individuals um, that they would come up, would people would say things like, well, that's wonderful. But when you've got so much paperwork to manage or when you're not getting along with your team or your principal doesn't understand or your life at home is falling apart, it's really hard to really implement these things. Um, Mm. And so then it gave me that realization of there's more to what people need than to just have more information disseminated to them or just to have more knowledge, you know, put on their table for them to grapple and wrestle with. And that is when, and this was in 2008, I decided to create a workshop that was called what about me, the teacher as a person. And I Mm -hmm. pitched it to several conferences and many of them, the feedback was, no, it's not relevant. It's not relevant. Mm. Um, But finally one said yes. And I presented there 
And actually, I was just looking at my Vita because I have trouble with dates. And I saw <laughs> on my Vita that they had asked me to do a second presentation during that conference because it had, you know, filled up and was that popular. I'd never yes. had standing room only. I'd never had so many evaluations that just had such beautiful um, feedback that I actually kept oh, those. That's awesome. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and so the need was there because I ended up presenting that twice and I had forgotten about that. Um, and so that's when I realized, wow. And I loved the topic because I was talking about all dimensions of the human person, um, the professional, yes, but also the others and uh, the way it resonated with everybody and, and just the ease of the material and how passionate I was. I was, you know, very surprised by all of that, how that came together beautifully. And so Mm. I think that, also started the trajectory with, I need to do something. Um, mm-hmm. But I wasn't quite sure. So this was 2008. I continued to do some professional development and workshops. And and then I even started with a planner. I had, uh, created a planning system because that oh, was, nice. yes, that was one thing people yeah. would always ask for. It's like, I can't manage my day and, mm-hmm. um, you know, my priorities. Can you help me with that? So I developed a system that worked beautifully for me and started uh, creating those um, planners. And then um, continuously, again, people asking to meet with me for coffee or lunch to either yeah. identify their priorities or just to, you know, set up better goals or whatever it may be, or handle limiting beliefs. And then I realized, well, I don't just want to sit across from someone and give them advice. I said, I I started thinking Mm -hmm. there's got to be a better way to support someone um, than just telling them what worked for me or what I think works. And at that time is when I fell into coaching. So, um, ah. yes. And so there was a particular individual I had met um, in Eagle Pass. I'd given a presentation. This is an area that suffers from a lot of, you know, economic scarcity and opportunities. And I met a woman there who had five children and she you know, immediately came up to me. She said, it's so taboo to, you know, have five children and and aspire to have a career or have a career. Mm -hmm. She said, it's so amazing that you've come because I think my colleagues will now see me differently. Um, You know, and so I just thought that was amazing. And I really connected with her and, and she was really the impetus for me even starting the coaching program right away because I told her, I want to help you. I said, I can, you know, I'll be your mentor because we connected so beautifully. I said, maybe once a month we'll get on the phone and chat and I can help you, you know, keep your goals on track and things like that. Cause I loved her energy. Mm -hmm. And, um, right after I returned home, I started searching for a coaching school and there was one close by and registration early bird was just about to close and it was just all perfect. It was just yeah. like it was meant to be. Um, and I registered and then, you know, that's where I fell into personal development coaching and then and leadership yes. development coaching. That's a theme for you. Things kind of working out for you. Yes. <laughs> yes. I need to learn how to trust, you know, because right. sometimes I, I get into that space where I want to control and know. And then mm. as I'm hearing myself talk, it's like, no, Miranda, usually when you allow things to happen, they just evolve beautifully as they're supposed to. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Well, that's a really cool story. So when did you kind of... um how did you kind of realize that you could do both? And I would like to talk about this concept of an entrepreneur that you were talking about in your bio and like, in the work you kind of do about, you know, well, if I can be cliche, but like having it all right. But like, when did you kind of decide, look, I can have 
a business, a fully running running business. We don't have to call it, it's not a side hustle, right? right? But I all and I can also be an academic and a teacher. So I don't know if you you know have any thoughts to share around that. Yeah, so that that's been a, a journey as well, and still mm-hmm. still unfolding. One of the things I realized at the time when I started coaching is that many school districts are moving to that model of coaching, and they ah. call it instructional coaching. And oh, yeah. um, yes, and so it's a little bit different than the type of coaching I do because it is a little bit more mentorship and consultation based than huh. authentic coaching. And so sure. that's where I saw an opportunity to merge both worlds. It's like, okay, here I've been trained in more quote unquote classical coaching or pure form of coaching that mm-hmm. really empowers individual, really, you know, partners with them to help. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I have this training in educational psychology and the background in, in education, you know, there's, um, a new need, uh, a need that's just surfacing that I can meet um, when I blend these two together. So then I began exploring. So that first allowed the space to open up. Mm-hmm. It's like, yes, ed- coaching can happen in education. And so the doctorate work, none of that was wasted. It's all, mm-hmm. you know, something that Being used exactly, in a different way. Yep, exactly. Yep. And so then um, that's what gave me the courage to even begin to open up to oh, that opportunity. Cool. And and so some of the programs that I have, like right now, I'm, I have one with, uh, it's called MILE, Miranu Institute for Leaders in Education. And this is my second cohort that I'm about to start with principals. Oh, nice. And so, oh, cool. yes, it's really, I love doing this. Oh, um, so cool. we provide masterminding, coaching, and consulting. And it's a six-month program. They get a 360 evaluation. And uh, the f- testimonials that have come back are amazing. And the program's only going to get better. I love, mm. love, love doing this work. I come out from our sessions and my husband could just tell, like, I'm always beaming um, mm. because I just love um, working with them in this capacity. And so that was one thing that brought it together in terms of how the business could go in what direction mm-hmm. niche. And there's always a reluctance to niche uh, because I didn't sure. want to tie myself to just teachers and principals and university. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Because it's like, oh, you know, I've coached, I mean, I've coached a guy who was going to going through school to become a fighter pilot. And that was mm-hmm. amazing. You know, I don't want to miss mm-hmm. out on other opportunities and other individuals who are research scientists and, and um, um, also people in, in the business world, a vice president of a large company. And it was like, I don't want to close myself off to those opportunities either. Um, but I have found that they come still. And so right now I'm just focusing on doing this well. And mm-hmm. I think the it's not necessarily closing off other opportunities because it is bottom line, personal development and leadership. Yep. Yep. And then in terms of the university, um, I began to notice where else could I incorporate coaching and into the work that I'm doing. And so, for example, with my clinical teachers or student teachers, um, their last semester, instead of having more coursework, we actually do a coaching model where, yes, and so they mastermind and they get hot seat coaching. So one of them will volunteer and they loved it. We have like cried together, you know, oh, in bet. sessions. We have like really connected at a deep level because they are bringing to the table things that they just haven't and probably will never be able to bring anybody else unless they're in this type of supportive environment. And so they'll Was bring that. Yes, go ahead. Can I stop you for a second? Yes. Because I'm just like, my mouth is open, like yes. agape right now. I'm like, wait. 
Did you did you bring that to your institution or was that part of your institutional program no. or did you go, this is what we should be doing? This is, I, I did it. <sighs> yes. And I've, I've had very supportive department heads. So we're on That's our second awesome. one from when this started. Mm-hmm. And he said, yes, absolutely. Do your coaching, try it out, tell us how it works. And the response from the students has been great um, because they're able, they also opened up about needing help with transitioning, you know, from being right. a student to being a professional. So we deal with that. And and the busyness and how how do you protect yourself emotionally when you get you know yep. just too connected to the a problem or to a student and all of that we've been able to address all of that and um, it's been great to to bring my work in in that way in that capacity. Um, this I'm, is really cool, Miranda. Like I like it's almost. It's it's so interesting because a lot of what I talk about with my guests on the podcast is about how academia is kind of falling. I, what's the word? It's not like falling behind, but it's definitely not serving the needs of the students. We could get into like grad school and all this other stuff, but like there is something I've, I talked about it actually. <laughs> I don't know if you listened to the episode with Dr. Kat Malinsky, but she, I actually hired a dissertation coach to help mm-hmm. me get through my dissertation writing. And it was amazing. And that was the first time I'd ever heard about coaching, like as a just general concept. And um, someone else in my program had used her. And I was like, look, I want to make this easy. I want to make this pain-free. And I want to actually make it an enjoyable experience. I don't have to suffer, which is a lot of what you see online, right. um, you know, as a PhD student. So um, anyways, what you're bringing up, what your story, what it sounds like your research and what you're experimenting with in your classroom is about how coaching can actually really help students in a, in a way that they're not getting help from counselors, that the institutions aren't just set up to help at all. And right. I remember having Kat on, you know, a call and like, it's been, you know, three years since we've chatted, (laughs) like Mm -hmm. since I graduated, which was really cool to talk with her about. But um, the idea about the difference between coaching and like mentoring and, and why it was an easy move for her, but definitely a different skill set. Right. But it's, it's almost like I was, I was just so grateful to have found her and it felt like I stumbled upon her and I'm like, everyone deserves that. And her coaching was put me in such an empowered position while I was doing research. And instead of being that I had to report to my dissertation chair, which she, my dissertation chair is amazing. Like she's like, she was, I was so glad that I got to work with her specifically in my department. And she was so supportive and, and awesome, but she's also overworked. Right. And so the fact that I could give my dissertation chair work that I was proud of and that I had gone through the mindset stuff in order to give her that amazing document where most of the time we're giving it to this person that then it turns a relationship into this very gatekeeper relationship and they like are stressed, but they can't help you as much as you really need help with. So it's just this like usually just um, uneven power dynamic, right? Like an unequal power dynamic that we don't really wish was there, but it kind of has to be just by the way it's set up. And so a coach was just such a great mediator for that. Exactly. So I'm just sitting here going through my head going like, whoa, what if like entire school systems were changed by this coaching model? And then you mentioned earlier, so you're, you just like blowing my mind left and right. The instructional coaching that is happening. Is this in K through 12? Like, yes. Yeah. Yes, K through so 12. that is amazing. Yes. And, and I'm now starting to be like, wow, this is actually the merging of these two worlds. Like you kind of are representing that. That is really cool. 
Yes, it's very exciting. And one of the things with the principals I coach when I ask them, you know, what are some, what do you um, consider to be some of the variables that lead to your success and, mm. and have the potential to leverage every more, even more success? They all say they're instructional coaches. Um, that they, really they do cool. rely very heavily on them. And so training them even in a better model is yeah. going to serve because there's still some resistance from teachers sure. in terms of sure. buy-in and things like that. But sure. there is a different way to do it that will create a greater buy-in and probably, and I would like to see serve the person as a whole, not just mm. again, not just address their professional the needs, instructional piece. Yeah, but yes, totally. but let's go ahead and coach the person as a whole as well, mm. because that's influencing how they show up in the classroom. So you have to have read Parker Palmer, right? No like courage to no. teach. No, no. Oh, oh yes, 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 yes. When I first, yes. when I was a grad student, yes, yeah. Yes, so yes. I'm like his work. Um, yes. I think I've talked about it in the podcast before, but he, my dissertation was actually around the emotions of a professor who's teaching like difficult topics and and what what we're what we're managing in a classroom as as far as like emotions go. So a lot of my work was around, around like emotional intelligence and and navigation and all of that, but um his whole thing is right. Like the wholeness of, of teaching and, and it as a vocation and a calling, but that it's more than just, you know, technique that it's about, you know, showing up as your full self and right. um, your own integrity, your own, um, you know, being true to who you are, that your students like know the professors that aren't. And so anyways, that is also going off in my head. I was like, Oh yeah, yes. his work is really important around that stuff. And I, I would, you know, I think I have, you know, some anniversary, edition or something but this is a book that now I think is 20 years old yeah I'll so have to revisit I'm that sh- yeah you might want to it mm-hmm. might be kind of a cool thing to read but um yeah it um he I think he created uh, what does he call them because there's definitely Kate Denial is another guest I had on the podcast and she um, I had brought up that I was rereading it for like the eighth time. And she had said she used to she went to one of his workshops and it's similar. It's um, I forget the term that he created for it, but it's this holding space for teachers to to talk about their issues beyond just like technique and and, you know, lesson planning, but about the emotional and inner work that has to be done. Right. Um, and she said it was amazing. So I see it definitely in line with this kind of thing, the coaching aspect. Right. Yes. I love it. So yes. is it becoming more standard in, in, our, in our like certain states adopting it? This is the first time I've heard of this. So yes. I'm just kind of like, tell me more. Yes. I mean, there's yeah. um, there's about three key researchers who have been doing mm. the work and, and the training um, in the field and it's beginning to grow cool. and more and more school districts are adopting the model. Some of the smaller school districts will struggle financially to have full time um, instructional sure. coaches. And so sometimes the principals will take more of that role. Um, mm-hmm. But it's not uncommon to see, you know, a midsize to a large district have sometimes even up to three instructional coaches awesome. full time, and that's all they do on a campus. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, yes, it's, it's picking up traction. There's another district um, whom I know of sent five people to get trained at the school that I got trained in. And I don't think that's for instructional coaching. I think that's leadership that they're planning mm-hmm. to do there. So it's picking up momentum in terms of, um, you know, education mm-hmm. as well. You know, the whole concept of coaching for, right. and it's actually aligns beautiful with adult learning theory yep. um, in terms of professional development and really creating long lasting change and yep. honoring the adult as a, as an individual and as an expert in his field and in his life or her life. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's 
definitely the model to pursue um, when you want to spend money on professional development that actually will make a difference. Um, yeah. And so that that's what the research is also, you know, showing. And how so would you how would you define coaching and how is that different from teaching or mentoring? If you could kind of compare that for us. Right. Um, so with mentoring, an, an individual uh, pairs up with someone who has expertise um, in a certain area and perhaps they've arrived in their field or even if it's personal issues, um, maybe they have a good marriage or they've arrived a certain position in a district as a leader or in a business in the business world. Um, and then they mentor somebody who has maybe nascent or is in mid-career mm -hmm. so that they can achieve some of those things. So they kind of provide like a roadmap. Um, in terms of uh, consulting, I might as well share what that is. Uh, consulting sure. as well. You know, you hire an individual. And this is the part that gets confusing because many times people will come to coaching seeking a consultant and many mm. times consultants will call themselves coaches. And so the field gets a little marred by sure. the, you know, definitions that aren't very clearly operating defined. definitions exactly. that people aren't working with. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. And so an, a consultant will bring his or her expertise, um, you know, perhaps collect some data, do some analysis, provide a report. This is what you need to do to fix your situation or your problem. Mm. And a coach is more of an individual that partners with another in order to help that individual move from A to B, whatever that mm. means. So in counseling, sometimes uh, individuals will deal with past issues and the root of issues that might be playing out in their life right now. And so that that's where a counselor goes. But in terms of coaches, they're really working with people. You're at A and you want to get to B. So we don't really focus too much on the past. Um, you might peek at it to see where a limiting belief might have come from. Um, but we don't, we don't, we're not healing or working in mm, the past. That's mm -hmm. not our area of expertise. It is just for, you know, forward movement, identifying where you are, where you want to be, what's been blocking mm -hmm. you and how can you get there. And so a coach is someone really who stands shoulder to shoulder with someone and you're kind of looking at the same thing and the coach will help the individual think aloud. And so this is a strategy that works beautifully in education, just yep. doing thinking, uh, think alouds. And so the coach will ask provocative questions or make statements or provide a reflection for the individual to be able to think deeply about whatever issue they are d dealing with. So a coach doesn't have to be an expert. Like I've never been a principal. Mm -hmm. um, and yet you know, the people in my program will tell you that they've gotten so much out of the program. I have one who sh she's returning for another year um, with us because she's, you know, had so much growth. Um, because awesome. it's just the benefit of that inquiry process and being able to reflect mm -hmm. and hit the pause button. And so we're not disseminating information per se. My model of coaching is 80-20. So I try to stay in that pure coaching space where I really make the client um, work hard for, you know, in terms of thinking and coming up with um, answers to questions, not allowing the I don't know and, you know, broadening perspective and what else? What else might be there? What else mm. might be there? But then I don't hold back either on my clients. And so if sure. there is something I know that might help them, I will ask for, for permission to put it on the table. So for example, if there's, they're dealing with a problem with changing a habit, then I might say, would it be helpful to know, you know, what the brain is doing right now mm -hmm. as you're trying to change this habit? And they yeah. all usually always say yes. Mm -hmm. um, and so then I present that. And if they want to use that and, and we explore that further, then that's fine. If it doesn't help, then, you know, 
it's not, it's fine as well, you know? So, um, so I don't hold back because I am very resourceful. Um, and, and having worked with people from different fields, sometimes it's helpful, you know, you know, I've worked with the individual who is in this field and they dealt with that. Would it be helpful to know, you know, what she or he did? And, and we just put it on there. It's more of a, just a thought provoking process, um, for them. And so that, that's what coaching is. So we don't really, as a coach, you don't want to have an agenda for the client. Uh, The moment you know that you could fix their problem is the moment that the coaching just Mm -hmm. lost its quality and its opportunity. And so Mm -hmm. the more you can stay in a curious space, um, helping the client come up with everything, the better you are. And, And it provides beautiful results. Like I said, people have come away and I've never been a principal, but yet they come away and I've never been a fighter pilot, but yet they Mm. come away, um, with things that, um, that were in them and we just helped them get it out. That was already there. Yeah. You just bring it out. I love that. Um, so I'd like to hear a little bit about maybe how you brought your business online. I know that's a huge part of building a business as a consultant, as a speaker, as a coach. Um, and it's definitely what a lot of listeners are either experimenting with right now. Um, but people could use some tips too. So what were kind of the first steps you did when you basically realized, yes, I would like to, you know, get more speaking gigs. I would like to do more presentations around this topic. What did you do? Where did you go for help? Well, at first I, uh, you know, I made the mistake that everybody makes, um, which is <laughs> spending a ton of money on, you know, all these programs that individuals all want to sell. Yes. Yep, all the courses. Yep. So, you know, default mode academic. So let me go learn, mm-hmm. let me go research. And, um, and it's not necessarily bad. <laughs> right. No, no. <laughs> but but there yeah. comes a point where it's like, that's enough, you know, yeah. and it's, it's time yep. to move into action. And one of my strengths, if you've ever done the strength uh, finders is, mm-hmm. you know, knowledge and input and intellection. So for mm-hmm. me, I can get stuck and spend a whole lot of time just trying to learn. And, and I have to really coach myself. Like it's time. get a PhD in marketing or something. Yes, exactly. It's <laughs> yeah. like you don't need that. Just get going. Nope. <laughs> um, so I think I started off with the traditional um, things of you know getting the website uh, built, mm-hmm. and I had somebody build that for me on WordPress, yes. and then. I learned how to work that, of course. And so then I, you know, did other versions myself and I started on different various social media platforms as well. And Mm -hmm. I just have not been keeping up with those lately because I'm at a point where I've noticed that my business really comes from referrals and Mm -hmm. just getting results from my clients. And so when you have five children and a full-time job and you're building a business, um, is my putting out tweets and Facebook posts, um, (laughs) actually we're giving you a return. Yes. Yes. So right. I haven't Mm -hmm. seen it. And that's why I've pulled back some on that because for me, where I've seen that it works is when people experience me through a workshop, um, through a training, then I will have, you know, maybe 10 or 20% of whoever was there will want more Mm -hmm. and, um, immediately and others will come back maybe sometime in the future when that need surfaces. Um, And so that's been a very effective avenue. And then just referrals from clients that have been um, happy with the results that they've gotten. And so that that's at the point where I am right now, because it's really that point of like, I don't have a lot of time to leverage like I used to a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Um, So where do I invest it? And right now it's been the the networking and the referrals that seem Mm. to be the best for me. Um, I would still like to maintain a social media presence, but that's something I'll 
I guess maybe once my principal's program gets established and it's, and I do have a team working with me. So maybe once I figured and systematized that a little bit more, then maybe I could allow that to run a little bit more on its own and um, perhaps build that presence back up. But, but yes, it's, it's, it's just a matter of time that I haven't been able yeah, the demands both. of social media is tough. I think with any business owner, it's like you uh, you almost always feel like you could be doing more, but then you're like, wait, how is that going to work with my calendar and what I'm you know doing uh, in my business or or between you know with a full time job and a business? So where where do you see your business in like a year or two? What do you what what are your goals for that? And do you see yourself staying teaching or you know what what's the vision? Mm-hmm. Again, I probably am not as clear on the vision, but I do have okay. a general idea of where I think this is all going and how I'd like it to go. Mm. Um, but as other things present themselves, things change. So for example, at the university, so I am incorporating the coaching with the work that I'm doing with my students, but there's Very been cool. also other discussions. So I'm about mm. to have a third meeting. Um, one has been through the provost office, um, you know, just talking about what coaching is and because um, there's several of us now that are that work there that have coaching certifications or some of them mm. are wrapping it up. So we've had a discussion there. I have another one with another department um, and then HR as well is looking at that model. And actually somebody else asked me to meet with their director of uh, employment, uh, de- employee development um, services. They've changed their name, but she's works with her and says, I think she's going to love, you know, talking to you. So there's other opportunities. There may be an opportunity to, to coach faculty. So they've mm. asked me to apply for a position. It's kind of like a leadership position that is short term. And um, I've been told if you do this, uh, we want you to do your coaching stuff. And we want you to do it with a faculty, minority faculty, women and minority faculty to support them. And so I'll be applying there. So there's other opportunities even within the university that are just beginning to open up. And I don't know what that would lead to. Um, For me, my main goal is I want to create a more of a state of flow in my life Mm -hmm. Um, because the work that I'm doing uh, with some of the work that I'm doing at the university, it it is very different from my coaching work. I love it when I can Mm -hmm. merge them. Um, So for me, the ideal would be to have a greater percentage of work that is geared towards coaching and still provides Mm. the service that my program needs and my department needs and my college needs. Um, So that would be the ideal state. And to be able to delegate or begin to remove responsibilities that don't align with that. Um, and that would actually be just a wonderful space to be in. And so that's that aspect. And in terms of the business, um, the principal's program is the one that is my bigger program right now. Um, again, at the university, there may be an opportunity to, uh, you know, continue, uh, providing services there through the university. But then again, you know, with my business, um, that's kind of a separate entity and, Mm -hmm. They're really the biggest, uh, let me here. I got all tongue twisted. Let me step back for a moment. Um, so in terms of my uh, business, what I have going on there would, the big project is the principal's program. I want to Mm -hmm. see that 
working really well. I want a very diverse cohort. So mm-hmm. I would eventually like principals uh, in each of the cohort because they mastermind and they also get their one-on-one coaching and consulting. But I would mm-hmm. like principals from all over the country, uh, maybe even other countries as well, to be able to have that masterminding opportunity because that model works very beautiful. So cool. For yes, c- it does. Yes. For CEOs yeah. and senior managers, mm-hmm. why not give it to leaders who need it um, just as much, if not even more? Mm-hmm. And, and so that's the goal right now in terms of my business. If I were to think about where does my biggest investment of energy go, um, it's there. Also, the the workshops, because I've gotten certified in emotional intelligence, and um, I have a certification in energy leadership, which seems to be something, yes, um, that resonates with a lot of individuals who I coach. And they actually end Mm -hmm. up either businesses or the schools will end up saying, can you come do some of this with us? Because I think it'll change climate. Um, Just the whole Mm -hmm. energy leadership concept um, has been really popular. and, And so, you know, continued work with that. So there's that model. Um, but the thing that's also, you know, calling to me, and I just don't know when the right timing is, is that eventually I need to create something that is, because this is a business, but it's also, also like as if I've created uh, another job for myself. Because mm, if I get sick yes. and I don't show up, then the business doesn't yep. make any money. So to me... Yep. Is it really a business or is it still another, another quasi job, job mm-hmm. if I'm honest with myself? Mm-hmm. Um, and so the next piece um, is that, and I've been contemplating various ideas of what that might look like, where I could maybe be asleep or on vacation with my family for a long weekend. And uh, there is still, you know, the business is still moving, generating some mm-hmm. income and things like that without me having to show up. Um, And so that's where it would, you know, once the principles program is well established, we're getting the results we want with individuals and the program is growing because I think that's going to be referral based as well. You know, one district is happy, they're going to send others. And, um, and so that next piece is what I'm exploring, Mm. um, what it might be. And I think it may be something along the lines of having coaching programs that are more accessible at a group mm-hmm, coaching mm-hmm. rate with some online calls and, mm-hmm. and and things like that, kind of a membership uh, type of thing and, and bringing in others to enrich that yep. experience. So it's not just always yep. me having to show up. Um, yep. That's what the next part of my business, I think, will look like. So I've got two things, you know, in terms of the university, lots of opportunities there. I think something mm-hmm. is going to pan out where I will be doing more coaching related yep. things. And then here in the business, you know, it still has lots of growth opportunity as well. And yeah. I just need to make sure that I have the energy and priorities rightly structured. So I have the time to be able to, you know, give to both of those. Mm-hmm. And it is hard to to split time too. But um, yeah, I love this. You're definitely at a point in business. I feel like I'm actually there too. And I've been working probably for about the last six months. Um, you know, hiring the right team members and getting, um, you know, managing them being kind of in charge of their own projects. And now I, I am less of an overseer, like quality checker and more of a, yeah, that's awesome. Like, I'm so excited that you created this amazing thing. And then I'm out there doing other things. So, you know, about how we can either maybe not necessarily duplicate ourselves, but create a business structure, right, that serves the life that we want to have. And we can't, we can't have business come through us 
maybe, mm-hmm. maybe that's as, as big as you want to get. But if you do have visions of it being bigger, it can't all come through you because there, it's just impossible. Right. Um, so yeah, you're at a really cool point in business where it's like, okay, it's about scaling and um, getting those operations and procedures in place and hiring people that can be you or be better than you, right? right? Um, in some things. And, and that is about and that's like the next step, I would say, from being like a solopreneur, which is a word that people throw around a little bit, and being more of a business owner or a CEO in some aspects, which is, you know, I'm playing around with all that stuff too in my head, which I do sometimes feel very out of my element. Right. But then as an <laughs> academic, I'm like, oh, I got this. We can figure that out. Yes, you know? absolutely. Yeah. Yes. I have a, a really good friend. We've been friends for 19 years. And one of the things he says, he said, what I love about you is that you, you know, go in and you're doing things that you have no experience and mm. no business doing and you make it work beautifully. And you make um, it work. Yes. Yeah, and I so, so yeah. So not being scared of that, that space mm. of just, you know, I just remind myself I'm resourceful. I've done things I couldn't do before. Yep. So I can do that again, you know? And, yeah. And that makes- I have to keep reminding myself too. And I don't know if this is my like academic, like there's something about... Um, you know, our training and our deciding to get degrees and stuff where we feel like we have to do things like, quote unquote, right. Mm-hmm. But um, I keep telling myself, I'm like, wait, no one knows what they're doing. We're all just trying to figure it out. Right. Like even some of the high, you know, seven, eight figure a year business owners that I know, I'm just like, oh, you have no idea what's going on either. Okay. Yes. Like we're all on the same page. Yes. So that actually is a great segue into it. One of my favorite questions on this show. And I'm curious what you think some of your skill sets that you've picked up, you know, with obviously your huge, you know, your varied background in education and your different interests and in research. Um, how is that benefiting you building this consulting and coaching business um, on the side? I think it, it's given me an advantage um, in many areas. And resourcefulness. Um, so mm. I know how to do research. I know how to learn quickly um, has been a big, big help, I think. And also in being able to see things in terms of, you know, for example, in my programs, it just makes a lot of sense to me, you know, like, what are my objectives? What is really my purpose in this program? You know, what are the goals? What are the outcomes? How, how do I know that they're going to be measurable and attainable? Um, how do I support, whether it's the coachee, you know, kind of when we think about learners, how do I support them through the process? What mm-hmm. is it that is going to derail them? So in terms of learning, you know, what are those, mm-hmm. those lacunas that we have to fill or those blocks or misconceptions that we need to address? So really just bringing in that whole model of how you would teach something well um, into yep. developing programs, I think, gives me um, an advantage that others you know, may not have. And, and that's one of the things that I have to remind myself because I'll see other individuals that you know, do not have the same experience that I have, you yeah. know, and they're confident, oh, I'm charging, you know, yeah, X dollars and right? I'm filling my <laughs> programs and here I am holding myself back like, oh, you know, yep. it's not enough yet. It's not enough. I've got it. Perfect. Mm. Maybe I should take another course, you know, um, right. and so struggling with that. And I think for the other piece, and this is why I've also decided um, to embrace, because there was a period of time, and this was actually last year, um, where I was struggling mm-hmm. is like, do I stay in academia or not? Or do mm-hmm. I move? I had an opportunity to move to a position um, that was still at the university, but it was going to be 
more focused on um, business development uh, through an organization and an opportunity to create a coaching program there. Mm. And so that was very, very appealing. And mm. um, it had a lot of draw on me, but I had to balance out, okay, that's going to be more of a 12 month position, eight to five. Mm. I'm going to mm. let go of uh, the flexibility that I have and the autonomy and, and usually my department head and program directors, anything I want to do, they'll say, yes, you know, go give it a try. Um, mm, so I would have nice. lo- lost some of that opportunity. So I had to really think about where I want it to go. And then also decide, do I want to like almost have a recommitment to academia Mm. or am I going to stay in the mindset of I'm just doing this as to get to a certain point in my business and then I exit or do I want to at this stage recommit? And I decided to recommit. And the reason for that is one of the other things I've began to explore is that um, coaching as a field in terms, I don't know why, but in terms of Australian coaching, they seem to be a lot more focused on looking at methodologies, research-based practices, really collecting data on outcomes and things like that. So some of the coaching and coaching research you see coming out of Australia aligns with that. Interesting. Whereas in, yes, it is. And whereas in the U.S., we still are kind of, um, I don't know what I call it. I kind of call it like pop coaching, you know, where people are just, where people are just kind of hanging on to, you know, ideas that are popular and, Mm -hmm. you know, personal development or whatever. And, and they're bringing that into their practice and Mm -hmm. trying different things, Mm -hmm. but not really looking at methodologies and research and and what theories exactly. Yep. Exactly. And so then I thought, well, I want to position myself uh, because eventually coaching is a second fastest growing field. Yep. And uh, right now people are starting, businesses are starting yep. to realize, okay, we want certified coaches because we've hired some that, that just kind of go off mm-hmm. on their own and do their own thing. And we're not mm-hmm. sure quite what that is. So now they're actually asking questions around, you know, where you trained or, or do you have ICF credentialing, for example. Yep. And I think the next step is going to be um, asking for coaches that can deliver results. Like, can you collect data pre and post and show us the change? Um, And also coaches that know, you know, the theory, the methodology, the the research behind it. I think that's going to be the next piece. And so I've decided that staying in academia, I have a unique contribution to make there. And then, and what academia could give me is a unique positioning um, there because, oh, I forgot to mention this piece. Like Mm. I developed a coaching course uh, this summer um, that I'm delivering. Yes. It's called Foundations in Coaching and the students are loving the experience. Um, I can't wait to do it again. And I think I'm going to do it as a 10 week course next time. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's also an instructional coaching course and I just didn't have enough of a chance to promote it. Uh, once it got through, you know, the graduates approval system and all of that. So that one, I don't know if I'm going to deliver it this summer, it will be next summer. Um, and then next summer, I've been approved to develop a course on research and coaching. Ooh. And, um, and I may partner with, um, you know, human resources, uh, the, the program there in our college to deliver that, um, as well. Cause I think that'll be a really neat, neat course. And so, I'm also getting to develop courses around coaching um, so at the cool. university. I love it. And it sounds like you you definitely have found a sweet spot here. And I love what you're setting up because I've had a couple conversations, um, particularly on this podcast, and we tend to talk about it 
um, you know, it tends to be the psych PhD talking about how there's all these, you know, people running around, you know, calling themselves coaches with no background whatsoever. Yes, there are people who do um, the ICF training. And and that's awesome, too. And leave it to the academic to go get credentialed to feel like they're qualified (laughs) to do it. But then you're right, we're, we're heading to a, I think I called it like a professionalization of the industry that doesn't exist right now. Um, There's definitely no oversight. Um, I think there's a lot of damage being done, if I'm being honest. Um, And so we're, you know, I love that you're thinking ahead as to like, okay, you know, the current state, like, here's how it is. But you know, we can look this in trends of all sorts of, uh, you know, economic labor positions in society and be like, oh, yeah, it's probably going to move to a more credentialed kind of thing where people are going to be like, especially if schools are starting to um, use the coaching model, those people are going to want to check where you got your training from. And do you have evidence that it can be backed up that there that there are changes happening in your client. So what I heard going Mm -hmm. off in my head, I was like, Oh, I can't wait till you release a course to like the entrepreneur world that's called Foundations in Coaching. And it's taught by a professor who has done research. I'm telling you, (laughs) there is a space for it because people in that space want to differentiate. And this is the beginning of that professionalization, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. not to, to knock on my millennial friends. I call them, I, I call myself the oldest millennial. I'm literally like at the cut line. But you know, there's, you know, these 23 year olds out there being like, I'm going to coach people. And that's cool. And maybe you have that skill set. And I love the ambition around that. But also, I'm like, where are you going to learn how to do this? (laughs) And so I I see because there's a lot of people that are just like showing up in this space and coaching, which is fine. And I love how open it is. I love that anyone can start a business um, that you can show up online and do stuff. That's cool. But, um, you know, there's a lot of them now. Right. And so there are people who are like, look, this is my passion. I want to get better at it. So if they were to take one of your courses versus going through a more intensive training around ICF, they could at least, you know, tell their potential clients like, oh, you know, my training comes from somebody who does research in this area. Like, because I find that even the business I started was definitely around the persona of being a professor and talking about course creation and lecturing and like, you know, teaching online and and outcomes and all those other words that you use too. And people mm-hmm. were craving it. The online education market, all those courses that we bought and you know, you don't have to name names or anything, but I'm sure a bunch of them were pretty bad, right? Like, (laughs) so um, people are realizing like, oh, wait, people aren't just going to willy nilly buy courses anymore. And so, um, so they saw me as a professor and be like, oh, well, she actually knows what she's doing, right? Right. Um, So anyways, if you want to work on that, uh, I think there's a course in there for the general market in the space. There are lots of people who are coaches and would like that extra help and support and would be intrigued, I think, by the research background that you're, right. you're working yes. on. Yes, I think Very so. Cool. Yeah, And to be able to be idea. like, this is taught at a university and like, you know, and this is being translated for a mainstream audience or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think that's really cool. Yes, absolutely. Yes, I've loved teaching the class and the students 
Yeah, I it's bet. been a great experience. So I can't wait to do more. Have you inspired have you inspired any of them to be like coaches? Is that is that why they're enrolling to do the instructional coaching? Yes. That... Some of them are. Some yeah, of them cool. just want to be better leaders. Some of them it fits mm. with the research that they're doing. Um, so, totally. and some of them, okay. uh, I have three of them who are already coaches. So they are internal coaches somewhere uh, or they, uh-huh. one of them is an instructional coach. And, and what they've said is like, we're getting so much out of the class. And cause at first I was mm. like, oh my goodness, I have three people who are coaching in the class. I better, <laughs> I better <laughs> yeah. make sure that I have my stuff together. Um, but they've actually, you know, said, because they were trained more under of a model that was more of that consulting, mm-hmm. telling people instead mm-hmm. of like, how do you, yeah, instead of do. how do you build mm-hmm. partnership and how do you stay curious and, mm. and help individuals, um, you know, really become, have that agency in their life. Um, so that's, yeah. oh, yes. That and word. so they've, they've become great. Yeah. And it's really interesting because I just told them recently, cause I've actually been to two coaching schools. So I got one and then mm. the last spring and summer, I went to another one. <laughs> so I was laughing earlier when you said, yes, <laughs> just put it on the, put yes, it on the so list. I'll just have yeah. to admit to that. It's like, it's never enough. Um, so but even well. watching uh, some of the students as we went through the process, you know, in my first coaching school or in the second one where there were many individuals that were just brand new to coaching. And there were some actually that had already been coaching that were going back so that they could get credentialed. Um, and uh, I told my yeah. students the questions you all ask. I mean, we were struggling and some of the coaching courses would just, OK, no, that's not an that's a closed ended question. You need to ask an open ended mm-hmm. question or that's not a question um, or if they we were asking for direct statements we were practicing that. And my students in my group, like they get it. And the questions that they are asking Mm. are at a really profound level. I had them coach me um, Mm -hmm. as a group the other day as an assignment and um, they did a great job. So their, their skill sets, even, even if it's just for the research that they're doing or the coaching they're already doing, or just to be better leaders, um, I think they're going to go away with some really good skill sets that they'll be able to use. And I have a few who are interested in using the course towards certification. So you can do that through the Ah, portfolio method. So I'll be working with them so that they can do that. Yeah, that's great. Asking good questions is a really difficult um, skill, actually, to learn and to perfect. It's a tough one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very cool. So as we kind of wrap up here, I'd love to ask you um, what advice you would give to someone who is looking to start a business, whether it's um, a side business right now or, or consulting or coaching, what advice would you would you give them? At, you know, they're maybe sitting here and they're listening to this in their office um, and going like, ah, this could be really mm-hmm. cool. What would you say to them? I would say to start small um, so that I, mm-hmm. I, some of the people that I went through coaching school, there were some that cashed out retirements or, you know, left their jobs and things like that. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. having the pressure to build a business um, Uh, Under those circumstances, I think is very scary. So I I had my own scary moment uh, where my business had to Mm -hmm. grow. Um, But I would definitely advise um, to just start small and building, building it on the side, because especially for something like coaching, you don't want to be having to to coach, you know, five days a week, you know, whatever, seven, eight clients Mm. a day. Um, And so... Mm -hmm. Turn it into exactly. that other job that you thought you were leaving. Exactly. Yes, you're so right So on be, that. having that opportunity mm-hmm. to just start delving into it um, and then just, you know, refining your skills and building a network mm-hmm. and referral system, all of that is yes. good. 
I would also advise not to go out and take every course that's available. Um, <laughs> and yep. so maybe, you know, choose uh, a couple of good books to help, you know, you know guide mm-hmm. or just um, choose somebody who's offering something that, that really is compelling and that will walk you through mm-hmm. the steps of building your business and just stick to that one person instead of signing that's up for everybody's newsletter. Advice, yes. And then you're getting bombarded with programs and all of that overload. Yeah, exactly. And especially when it comes to business building, I'm I'm so with you on this. And it's hard, especially as lifelong learners. Um, I want to know all the frameworks, I want to know what's working for people. But then when you start to dive in, you're like, Oh, like, you start to realize like, Oh, this worked for you because of certain conditions and variables, which that's the researcher in me. And I'm like, Oh, yeah, actually, that is why are you even promising that this is a blueprint that can get anyone those exact same results. So then we mix marketing and results. And that's a whole other story. But exactly. um, Yeah, I think I think resonating with somebody like one or two people, um, you know, dive into their work, listen to them, you know, people are now, you know, on Facebook lives and Instagram and all these places, you can really get to know people and then focus on them and say, I'm just going to do what they tell me to do and try it out for a little while um, before you try everything. I think that's excellent advice. Yes. And there's many people that are giving a lot of content that's Mm -hmm. valuable and, and also like finding even a model, like this is where I want to be and reverse engineering. Like, how did he get there? How did she get there? And what what were the things that they are doing? And so that's, um, you know, important. Um, Another thing is just to start um, because Uh, if you are, yes, if you're waiting for clarity, and as I guess that was the theme and a lot of the, this is the your conversation co- this is the that coaching yes, you coming out yes, right now, but yes, yes <laughs> that if you're waiting for clarity, it just never happens. And it mm-hmm. only happens, begins to happen when you're in motion. Yep. And so just taking those steps, like I, again, I don't know that my niche is totally nailed um, mm-hmm. down, but people are still coming yep. um, from non education based institutions and the program for the principals. I had no idea how I'd fall in love with that so much. And so, so again, and just kind of seeing what the need is and starting the motion, yes. uh, then the path becomes more clear and, and your yeses and your nos become more clear. So I would say, um, don't hesitate. There's no that profound epiphany moment. Mm. Um, you just kind of have to just get get going, be in motion and clarity comes in motion. Um, I think the other piece uh, for me, and that's because I see this in terms of my coaching work and for myself is energy. I mean, I mm. think that is going to be the most precious resource that you could nurture and cultivate yes. and protect during this time because you are going to need it. Yep. Um, I have to be, despite everything I manage, I have to be fully present when I coach. Yep. I have to, you know, yesterday I felt like I just, you know, things weren't being produced and my mind wanted to shut down. And mm. so I said, okay, let me cooperate and I'm just going to stop here. Yeah. And and listen to myself because it's, 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 I'm not producing, I'm not creating, I am just wasting my time trying to force something to happen. And so kind of knowing that, and I actually went to bed early and Mm -hmm. slept in a little bit and then went to the gym. And, and so really listening to myself because I have found that the energy is the most precious resource I have to be able to make any of this work. And so in terms of physical energy, you know, and we hear it all the time, you know, but exercising, eating the right foods that, you know, the right fats and oils that, you know, nourish the brain, those do make a difference. Mm. Um, I actually used to, um, have to take anxiety medication, Mm -hmm, you know, at a point mm -hmm. where I was just managing so much and I have been off and I think it's just, 
my life practices that have yep. been enabled that because I haven't had a problem since. Um, and awesome. so the physical part, you know, the emotional part, um, supportive relationships, you know, so all dimensions of the human person, mm-hmm. um, you can't neglect any of it if you want to sustain this for the long haul. And so sometimes it's not going to be a sprint. It's going to be more of a marathon and you'll have mm-hmm. to have the maturity and a mm-hmm. sounding board. Um, someone that cares about you that will remind you like, Hey, like me, you know, my husband, Nope. I thought you said you were focusing on right. well-oiled principles program. <laughs> and why don't you table that? Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Yes. Oh, but, and I've got another idea and I could right. probably do it. And he's like, no, but didn't you say, yes, I did say that I'm going to yes, commit I to did. this and see that through. And so that, that piece is important um, as well. Yeah. Coming from a mom of five, a full-time uh, professor and business owner, I would listen to what you have to say about that. Yes. Yes. Um, that's awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. I learned a lot um, about you and about uh, where teaching is going, where where education is going. I got really excited about some of the stuff we talked about. This was a really fun interview. Oh, great. Thank you. I had a yeah. great time. Favorite awesome. topics all. <laughs> right? We don't get to talk yes. about this enough, I think. And at yes. least as, as I've been an entrepreneur, you're a little more still in this space. But for me, it's like, oh, yeah, I, I love this stuff. Like uh, the research projects, like where, where institutions are going, still stuff I could geek out about all day long. So thank you mm-hmm. for that. Yes, thank you. Thank you.